the supreme Christ. Uh, this is, it's interesting, in these few words, I found myself uh, um, starting to see two major uh, directions to look. One direction is to look inward uh, and, and say, how do I press into the supremacy of Christ here? And, and, then, and then just as obvious is, is, in just these few verses, is this uh, invitation also to look outward. And so that's going to be the, the guiding, uh, the guiding uh, structure for our time in God's Word today, inward and outward. Let's think first about inward. How do you press into the supremacy of Christ? First of all, talk to God about others, right? In fact, you've heard me say before that we don't really have a right to talk to others, uh, right, without talking to God about them first, right? And I think that you'll find as you anticipate your day and you anticipate the interactions that you'll have that, that um, you, can, you can set apart those conversations. They can become holy moments as you talk to God about it. How do we do that? How, uh, well, let me just remind you of Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything. Anybody anxious this morning? Mm-mm. I'm I'm on the edge of it, right? My little phone goes off, and I see my dad trundling out the front door, and I'm I'm going, oh my goodness, right? But in everything, he says, with prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, right? So so how do we let our requests be known? How do we make our desires known? He said he uses a couple of key words here. Continue steadfastly in prayer. In, in, in Greek, it's, it's interesting because he uses the same uh, prefix in both the words continue steadfastly and prayer. And, and that prefix is to press into, right? To lean into. And, and he says lean into steadfastness. No matter what circumstances are prevailing around you, um, lean into steadfastness. All the language of the psalmist, God is my rock, my fortress, right? Lean into that. Lean into who he is. Continue steadfastly in in prayer. The, The beauty of the word prayer is it's also a lean into, right? Lean into your desires, making those desires known. Um, press in, especially when, when uh, life is confusing, when life is hard, when you've taken a couple of hits and, and been knocked back. Press into prayer. Right? Talk to God about it. But there's an interesting second component here. Um, most of us um, have moved beyond um, now I lay me down to sleep. Prayers. We've realized that we can have a, uh, a, a dialogue with God continually, right? Remember Keith Green, right? Make my life a prayer, right? Uh, you can have constant dialogue with God. Uh, and, and so we've moved beyond 
Prayer is something you do and check it off. It is a continual 24-hour dialogue with God. But he adds a piece here that is sneaking past my awareness, and I want to maybe assume that you're struggling with the same thing. He says, stay awake. In the Ephesians version of this, in Ephesians 6, he says, be alert, right? In other words, um, your prayer time with God is a time when your eyes are open, not, not literally, but and, and you're aware that, that he might lead you right then in that moment, right? You're aware. You become aware of the things around you. The literal word in the Greek is stay awake. Not in the sense of, you know, stay awake all night long. But don't, well, how did they put it in the movie Courageous? Don't fall asleep at the wheel, right? Um, uh Things are happening around you. Be alert to them. God's Holy Spirit will prompt you and, and, and even lead you in how to pray. But, but you've got to be alert for that. Um, I was astounded. I'm trying to think of what it was now. But I, for whatever reason in my life, I've never had a problem staying awake when I drive. Uh, and, and, in fact, the only time I had a problem was one time when I, I as a teenager, said um, to myself, I wonder if I could fall asleep. What would happen while I'm driving? I, I know, a teenager, right? I was 12 years from, no, I was 10 years from brain development, right? And, and, uh, and, and, and I, it startled me so much when I did that I said, I'm not going to do that again. And darn it, if I wasn't driving, I think I was driving back from Princeton the other day, and I fell asleep three times uh, and, uh, on 41. Not a good idea. I'm thinking, what is the deal, right? Um, and don't be worried that some, um, I kind of think God knew I'm going to be talking about staying awake. Staying awake and don't fall. Um, I'm not talking about driving now. Um, life is happening all around us. Let's not be asleep at the wheel, right? Bad things happen. And you in your partnership with God, he's entrusted to you that wheel, um, Let's, let's stay awake. Let's be alert to not only the promptings of the Holy Spirit, but the wiles of the evil one. Guess what? Um, he's not creative. He, he does the same things over and over again. Let's be alert to the circumstances. So Paul says, lean into um, steadfastness. Lean into prayer. Stay awake. And, and, and the measure of this, I, I wrote in my notes, thanksgiving is the litmus test of our motives, right? Uh, um, I say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. Oop, I'm going to get a little bit too. I'm going to pray for my sister. Um, we had a little go around uh, this week. Um, I'm going to pray for my sister. Um, and uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it, but I don't want to do it. Right? Can you uh, hear the petulance in that? Um, you were thinking the same thing. Um, I'm not thankful. Do you see that? Thanksgiving is the litmus test for whether you are petulantly checking a box or whether you are genuinely open to the fact that God can bring transformation. And... And so um, 
steadfastly lean into prayer, staying awake, yes, but, 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 but doing it thankfully. God, thank you. Thank you for this season. Our, our struggles happen over, over um, different opinions about what my father should do at this season of his life, right? Um, but thankful that we're there. And I've had a dad for 65 years of my life. He's 90. Wow. You know, thank you, God. And thank you that we're, we're struggling because of your blessing, right? Thank you, God, that, and this struck some of us as we were praying last evening. Thank you that you might even use this challenge, this difficulty, to draw my three sisters yeah, to Jesus, right? Not going to happen if I'm not steadfastly leaning into prayer, being alert to the evil one who would put a wall between me and my sisters, or or not thankful for the opportunity that presenting itself right here. Uh, steadfastly pray, stay awake, stay thankful. Right? That's that's how Paul is blessing the Colossians. This is this is how you can lean into. Uh, uh, God's desires for you here. But, but there's also this beautiful little insight into what to pray for, right? What to pray for. At the same time, he says in, uh, in chapter 4, verse 3, pray that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of of Christ, right? What he's saying is pray for opportunity. Pray for opportunity. Do you ever find yourself in your prayer time starting to get into a rhythm where, where you just pray for those who are sick, you pray for those who, who um, have special needs, you, pray, you, you just pray through these categories. Paul blew our doors off, didn't he, in our study of Ephesians a couple of years ago when those incredible prayers um, he blew the doors off in, in the intimacy of his prayer in Philippians chapter 1. We, he blew the doors off in, in his worshipful prayer in, in Colossians chapter 1 and chapter 2. But, but now um, the Apostle Paul is, is, um, is blowing the doors off. So pray for the opportunity for the gospel to go forward. Right? Pray for that opportunity. And then... And then don't be surprised, right, when trials of various kind come. Because, because as, as we know from James, they're testing our faith. They're preparing us for those opportunities. Maybe the crisis that you're in, that I'm in, maybe that crisis is an opportunity for the gospel to be declared. We're going to come back to that gospel idea in just a minute. Secondly, he prays right here. Uh, an interesting one. It's a buzzword in the business community right now, but vision clarity is really important. People have to understand what it is. He says, pray for clarity, right? Pray that it'll be crystal clear, right? That I can make crystal clear the, the gospel uh, as I should, he says. Uh, and and it, it begs a question for us. If you um, are in small group this week, it's going to come up in your small group time, but can you make a clear presentation of the gospel? All right. If you were pressed, would you be able to, in some form or another, um, 
present the gospel in a way that someone could understand a path to life. Um, no judgment or condemnation. Um, uh, you can be a church mouse for decades and never come to that place where you clearly present the gospel to someone else, right? It is not complicated. It is not. Um, um, by the way, it is not one formula. I thought that was you guys back there sneaking in the back. Welcome. Uh, Olivia and Fitz are back there. Great to have you guys. Our missionaries are with us here. Um, wow. Um, great that you guys are here because, because that's what both you desire to do. Amen. But then also to equip other people to do is to be able to clearly present the gospel. Uh, in your small groups this week, you're, you're going to have that opportunity to explore the many ways that, that you can do that. My encouragement is that you have multiple um, tools in your tool belt and you're, you are alert and sensitive to the needs of the people around you and, and you present the gospel in a way that they can receive. There is no judgment or condemnation if, if right now you're saying, I don't know if I could do that. But I want to challenge you to um, ask someone, help me learn to, prepare, to uh, present the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and let me practice with you, right? Um, that's what discipleship is all about. Growing not only in grace and knowledge of Jesus, not only in grace and knowledge of ourselves, but in how to present the gospel to other people, to remind them of God, our creator, to remind them of the brokenness and devastation of falling short of the glory of God, to remind them of the redemption that is ours in Christ, to remind them of the restoration that is available to them if they will uh, turn their heart toward Jesus. So, so uh, Paul says, pray for an opportunity, but pray also for clarity. At the same time, pray that I can make it clear. And I'm just going to pray that, if I can, right now over you. God, thank you for my sisters and brothers here in the room. Most of us, not uh, professionals, not Christian professionals, um, God, but, but just followers of Jesus who desperately want to fulfill your purpose for us God, we pray that you, I'm going to pray, I was tempted to say this week, and I'm going to say today, God, I'm going to pray today that you would give each of us opportunity to declare the mystery, the beauty, the glory of Jesus. And then, God, I'm going to pray also that uh, we will do it courageously with clarity. So that people who, apart from Jesus, are going to spend eternity in hell, God, can instead capture a vision of the beauty of Christ's grace and receive him as their Savior. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we kind of slid into it, but just as inwardly we want to make our desires known we want to talk to God about others. Outwardly, we want to talk to others about God, right? We want to talk to others. Paul put it here. This is what we ought to do. This is what I ought 
to speak. How do we do that? I'm so grateful for the wisdom. He probably was younger than I am right now, but the wisdom of the Apostle Paul as he wrote these words. Talk to others about God with wisdom. Walk, he says, in wisdom toward outsiders. Now, we have talked extensively together about wisdom, how to get it, how to grow in it. But what wisdom comes to mind this morning as we, as we think about sharing the gospel with people who don't know God, right? The scriptures are the answer, right? Uh, the scripture is just chock full of of insights, but I want to remind you of of three, if I could, just briefly. And these just these just are um, observations as I uh, try and take Paul's words to to walk in wisdom toward those who don't know Christ, toward outsiders. Um, first, let me just remind you of First Corinthians uh, 2:14. The natural person does not accept the things. Of the Spirit of God. People in, on their own will not discern the things of God. They are folly to them. They are foolishness to them, right? They are not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. Remember that spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And the people that you are sharing Jesus Christ with, that you have prayed for an opportunity, and now you're with clarity presenting the person of Jesus, the message of the gospel with, do not have the power of the Holy Spirit to help them discern, right? They, they don't have a spirit. They don't see it as you see it. So wisdom is recognizing that these things are going to be spiritually discerned and the real work that you're going to have is not in how to eloquently present the gospel, but in the prayer that happens beforehand that God would give them eyes to see and ears to hear. Remember that spiritual things are spiritually discerned. Remember that grace, grace, unmerited, undeserved favor, right, is more powerful than judgment, right? Uh, Maddie's here. It's such a delight to have Maddie and, and Truman. I don't know if you remember uh, Maddie, but when you first became a follower of Jesus, um, uh, gosh, you must have been five or six years old. It must have been six because I think you were on a school bus. You shared Jesus. Uh, uh, somehow you shared it with a person on the bus. Do you remember that? Is it coming to mind? Um, um, uh, do you want? Do you do you know Jesus or something to that effect? And, and the poor little guy said no. And Maddie goes, "Do you want to go to hell?" Right? Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, was that you? No. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, grace. And it's such a such a delight, isn't it, to see what a gracious and graceful woman Maddie's become. Um, grace speaks so much louder, doesn't it, than, than judgment. And it's not our job to judge, right? It's not our job. Um, our, our job is to declare truth. But in that mystery, declare grace. Grace. Let your speech 
uh, excuse me, grace is more powerful than judgment. Let your speech always be gracious, right? But then he continues. I'm picking up the first part of that. Let your speech always be seasoned with salt. Okay, now he's jumped deeply into a metaphor. What does he mean? Let your speech always be seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer. Your job, uh, knowing that, that as of yet the Holy Spirit has not um, convicted that person of sin, your job is to make them thirsty, right? Your job is to salt their thirst. What is the salt, all right? This metaphor is getting out of control, right? What, what is it? Well, this comes in a couple different places in Scripture, but one place Jesus says, you are the light of the world, right? Uh, and then he says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, when he said you are the light of the world, he, he is transferring authority because previously he had said, I am the light of the world. And they came to that light, and now he's saying, you are the light of the world wherever you go. And by the same token, in this analogy, he is, Jesus, is the thing that brings flavor to life. He is the thing that preserves, right? He is, is the thing that saves us. He is the thing that without which we will die, right? I mean, Jesus is the salt, but, but um, here in Paul's writing, the gospel of Jesus, the good news about Jesus is the salt, right? And when you share that, when you're able and quick to say, let me tell you about my Jesus. A worship song just came to mind, Kristen. Let me tell you about my Jesus, right? Then, then you are becoming that salt, which, which blesses, which makes, makes beautiful, which gives taste, which preserves. Your job is to salt their thirst, not, not to beat them over the head and shoulders. When they're thirsty, they'll say, hey, where can I find this living water, right? When they're thirsty, they will ask you for, for insight and direction, and you can answer them. Jesus was so good at that. If you just want, write in your notes, John 4. His, his relationship with the woman at the well was just an amazing, amazing um, portrayal of what, it, what it's like to salt someone's thirst, right? So spiritual things are not, uh, spiritual things are spiritually discerned. Grace is more powerful than judgment. Your job is to salt their, their thirst. But Paul continues. Worship team, come on up if you would. Paul continues. Do this with timeliness, right? Making the best use of the time. Uh, I, I spent my uh, time with my dad um, uh, just focusing on, Bill and I were talking about this, Truman and I and Maddie and I were talking about this, um, uh, just focusing on how do you pass the faith on to the next generation, right? How do you do that? And, and I'm just so conscious from that, that that you don't make an appointment to share Jesus with someone. Okay, I'm going to share Jesus between 3 and 3.15 this afternoon. And if they, if they don't receive it then, then it's their loss, right? Um, no, it doesn't work that way, right? You, being spirit-led, have to discern the timeliness of of your uh, of your of your sharing of the gospel, uh, and and in, implied in this is is a couple of different ideas. One is that there is an urgency, beloved. There is a time. I can't I can't stop using the word time. 
There will come a moment when time will run out. Are you following me? There will come a moment when either for someone in particular, due to God's plan for their life, or, or the world itself, when time as we know it will cease. And this is not that time. This is the time. I can't help but slip into a farming analogy to make hay. This is a time when you have unlimited resources, unlimited possibilities, when you have unlimited opportunity to uh, talk with other people about God. So there is an urgency right now in this parallel passage in Ephesians. He says the days are evil. This is important. It is urgent because there's spiritual warfare going on right now for the souls of people. But, but contrast the, the, the urgent aspect of it with the patience part of it, right? Just as you plant a seed, and then maybe you come back a week later and water it, and maybe come back two months later, right, and, and the harvest is ready, um, sharing God with other people, talking with God about other people also requires patience. Paul, the same author, put it best in Romans 8. He said, but if we hope for what we do not see, in other words, the myriad things we're hoping for, we're praying for, including people coming to know Jesus, we wait for it with patience. It's about God's kairos, not about our chronos, right? It's about that God moment when God uh, gives them the gift of faith, not about our time schedule. But last of all, um, do it with joy, right? Do it with joy. Um, We've done extensive studies on joys. Paul's just bringing together all these things that we have learned. But we learned together that joy is a spiritual reality that's not based on your emotional happiness or your physical Comfort, right? It uh, doesn't mean those things might not be there. It just means they're not dependent on it. Joy, in fact, is often the product of steadfastness in the midst of the trials. Joy is, is the... Um, I can't help but do the children's thing. Joy is the flag flown over the castle of my heart when the king is in residence. Joy is the product of having walked with Jesus through the trials. Rejoice in the Lord always. Paul said, again, I'll say it again, choose joy, right? Let your gentleness or reasonableness, right? Let your, your all these things he just said, your timeliness, right? Let those things be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious. What did that accomplish, right? Did that ever do anything good, right? Don't be anxious about anything, right? But in everything, with, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, the litmus test, right? Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. Wow. That's the kind of life I want to have. Is that the life you want to have? Let's pray about it together. God, thank you that we have this opportunity, God, 
right now to to um, live into, press into God, the very transformational presence of God. God, thank you that we have this this opportunity right now to impact other people's lives. God, thank you that that it's not about us, but it's about such relationship with you that that whatever God you would need of us to help your precious children move one step closer to you, we would we would uh, step into, we would respond. God, we confess that in and of ourselves we're helpless for this. We confess that we've become vulnerable to the circumstances around us, Lord. And we confess that we've been slow to speak for all the accusations of the evil one about who we are. But God, we know that even though our words fall short, even though our lives fall short, you never fall short. So God, we worship you together. We recognize it's about you, Jesus, and your supremacy. We give you all praise and glory in Christ Jesus' precious name. Amen.